Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Today we're going to spend some time in talking about grace. Grace. God's amazing grace. If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn. And we're going to begin in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Grace, 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 9. And lest I should be exalted above measure, and this is our Apostle Paul speaking, by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might be departed from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord God, how appropriate it is to speak about grace after we've seen this testimony. Because we know it was only by your grace that even that small country, that small amount of people that they called the Jewish nation that you've kept through all of their trials and tribulations. And your hand is on them because they still are your chosen people. But Father, more than that, we're grateful that you have grafted us in, that we are part of the inheritance. Thank you, Lord God, that your love has shed abroad to our hearts. We pray for this time. We invite you to reveal yourself through your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever had things in your life be so leave you so complexed and not knowing which direction you want to go and and you prayed and asked God, Lord, how do I deal with this? How do you want me to act in these situations? And you may even ask, Lord, come do it now. And what you get back, even after months or even years of praying, you may get back, son, daughter, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace will become strength in you because of your weakness and because you're crying out to me. My grace is sufficient. 
It may be because of an injury you might have. It may be because of a disease that the doctors have diagnosed. It might be because financially you can't make it to the next day without facing consequences. You just don't know. It could be because of a relationship you may have with a loved one, a spouse, a husband or a wife, a child, a teenager, a 20 or 30 year old. And we all have, if we live long enough and we have those children, we'll experience those things. And we need God's grace to intervene. I remember some things that take, took place in my life. In 1966, that young man was attacked by a virus. It's been 20 years. And the virus took him so far down that he couldn't walk, he couldn't talk, he couldn't eat. He had no control over anything in his body. And we took him to many doctors and three different hospitals. Finally, he landed in, in one in Trenton where they misdiagnosed him and said that it was one thing and it actually wasn't. And all during this time, his mother and I were praying, Lord, what is this? What is this thing? Why is he like this? And all we could feel and the peace of God which came over us was my grace is sufficient. He spent six months or five months in the hospital. And during that time nobody thought he'd ever be anywhere close to what he is today. But God kept saying, my grace is sufficient. And he quieted our spirits. In 1996, also, my father succumbed to cancer, a battle that he had fought for many years, starting in his prostate, moving to his colon, and finally into his liver, and it finally took him. And all during that time, my father was a man of prayer. He believed God. And God kept telling us, my grace is sufficient. And when he passed, he saw a chariot coming down to pick him up. And he says, they're coming for me, and he's gone. Just like that. And I knew God had taken him. In 1997... My wife was stricken with breast cancer. And at that time, it wasn't that often when you heard people surviving cancer. We had loved ones who had passed away because of it. And other people you, you, you would hear about. 36 radiation treatments later, and a biopsy later, and we found that she was cured. My grace, the Lord says, is sufficient for you. We never gave up hope. The enemy tried to continue to, to bring all those doubts and fears into our life. And in 2005, with her, it happened with a brain bleed. 
so bad she she almost lost consciousness. We rushed her to the hospital and she spent a couple hours in Princeton Hospital and the hospital says, we can't do anything else about it. We don't know what's going on. And God kept my heart at peace through the whole thing. They had to take her in a helicopter and flew her to Thomas Jefferson in Philadelphia where it just so happened that one of the top surgeons, brain surgeons on the East Coast was there. And it was his turn to take the next case. You know, coincidence, of course. No, we know better than that. The thing about it was that he told us later when she was admitted, he never believed she would ever walk out. He was convinced that what she was going through was terminal. She spent two weeks in Thomas Jefferson. During that time, they did two brain surgeries. And in in the next five months, she went through four more brain surgeries. And there she is today. Praise God. All during that time, God's grace kept us at even keel. He kept us through those things. In 2008, that C word attacked me. I had cancer of the larynx. I was a person who used to sing a lot. I sing in a lot of programs. In fact, when I was in college, I even paid my way through college singing with a singing group. And after I graduated, the other three gentlemen who were with us, you know, they wanted to continue. And we got an offer from Columbia Records to sign a contract. And it was during that time when I was going through some changes in my life and my spiritual walk, I knew God didn't want me going that path. And I refused. Well, they couldn't sign unless I did. And it got pretty heated in my house. In fact, one of the four men told me he would never set foot in my house again. And he never did. He turned around and walked away and... Five years later, I found that two years previously, he died suddenly. I never did see him again. But God was faithful. He began taking me down a path which transformed my life. Oh, you say, well, you didn't know the Lord then? Yes, I did. But you see, Accepting Jesus in your life is step one on a long road to becoming a mature Christian. There's much the Lord needs to teach us during our path. And all during that time, God says, my grace is sufficient for you. In 2010, I fell off a ladder 10 foot in the air. My next-door neighbor happened to be coming to my house at the time. She saw me fall backwards. The ladder fell. 
I fell on top of the ladder. I broke my scapula. She says, I didn't think you were going to survive it. I saw you bounce twice. I says, what? She says, yes, you actually bounced twice. Well, God got me through that. 2012, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer, which I still have today. But he said to me early on, he says, I've kept you this far. Trust me. My grace is sufficient for you. Presently, I'm under what they call active surveillance, which only means they, they're not doing anything. They're just watching. And you know the curious thing about that is when I had the biopsy, biopsy in 2012 and they focused and saw where my cancer was in my prostate, they took 12 snips at 12 quadrants and it was in one quadrant. Well, they told me what percentage it was in my prostate and everything else. And I've had three other biopsies since then. And the last biopsy I had was about a year and a half ago. And the doctor says, I don't know what's going on. He said, the percentage that you had cancer before is like less than half of what it was back then. But God, you see... I am determined that no matter what happens in my life, whether I live or whether I die, here on this earth, doesn't even matter. I am determined to live my life pleasing unto him. And he has blessed me with that. You say, Sam... You're probably accident prone. Well, I probably am. <laughs> because I wasn't done in 2014. I was cutting some limbs in my backyard this time. And I was not on a ladder because my wife wouldn't let me. But there were a lot of vines on the ground. And I was reaching up about this high, cutting this limb. And the limbs started going in a direction I didn't want it to. And I started to move. Suddenly my feet got caught up in the vines and I fell uh, backwards. And the vines were about a foot and a half high. And they covered uh, some, they weren't on my property or my neighbor's property, but they covered uh, some flower pots, some clay flower pots. And one was a pretty good size one. And when I fell backwards... I fractured five ribs, and one of the ribs punctured my lung. My left lung collapsed. Went to the hospital, and they had to reinflate my lung. Well, that lasted for about a day and a half, and it collapsed the second time, and they had to reinflate it a second time. But I never had a feeling that God wasn't with me, ever. I knew that he was going to see me through one way or the other, because if I died, I'd be with him, praise the Lord. If I lived, you know, I'd be here, and he would have taken care of everything for me. 
My grace is sufficient for you, he told Paul. For my strength becomes great because of your weakness, because of us calling on him. His strength will be for us. God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. Grace, mercy, and peace is a package that God gives us through his Holy Spirit. He told Paul, my grace is sufficient. Here in Isaiah 26, verse 3, he says, God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him because he trusts in him. God's grace, unmerited, you can't earn it. It's nothing we deserve. Nothing at all. It's a gift from a loving father to an unworthy creation. When we deserve judgment, he gives us mercy. When we deserve destruction, Isaiah 61.3 tells us he gives us beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. What are you talking about, the spirit of heaviness? The spirit of heaviness is what takes place when all of a sudden you get the news that your loved one has suddenly passed away. Or that your child has had that life-threatening car accident. A spirit of heaviness comes on you. And God reminds you that in all this, he says, trust me. Lean on me. Place all your cares on me. Tell me about what's bothering you. I know already, but I want you to express it to me. That's what prayer actually is. For he says, my burden is light. And I will give you rest for your soul. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The key word there is learn of him. We need to be in his word to let his word penetrate that when these times come, we have something already invested in us that keeps us in perfect peace. You see, God's peace is absence from worry. His peace is absence from fear. His peace is absence from trouble and his peace is absence from any strife. If you're receiving these, if you're not receiving these, we need to check our own hearts. We need to check our walk before him. Remember Proverbs 3 and 5. Trust in the Lord in all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. King David put it a little bit different. Differently. He put it this way in the 23rd Psalm. He says, Yea, though I walk through the valley in the shadow of death, 
I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, you, they comfort me. The Apostle John writes in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives you, give I to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And the Apostle Paul encourages us, says that in Philippians 4 and 7, there is a peace, a true peace, which only God can send, which will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I love God's word. Whatever is bothering you at any time, you can always find peace and consolation. And just a, a, an understanding and a knowing that he's there with you at all times. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Through prayer and supplication. And that's how we obtain his peace. He says, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God, and be anxious for nothing. In other words, pray in faith, believing that you have what you've already prayed for. See, when I pray and I ask God for something, I know he hears me. And you need to be convinced that he hears you when you pray as well. God's grace and mercy and peace are all part of his own characteristics. The gift of the Holy Spirit will produce and cultivate them in you. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 calls them part of our fruit. It's what the Holy Spirit gives to us. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. In other words, those of us who are in the Spirit, who have received the Spirit of God, will be loving We'll be joyful. We'll be at peace in every situation or dilemma. We'll be long-suffering and merciful, very kind, good and honest in all their dealings. Faithful, meaning that they do what they promise they'll do. That's how Christ was. And extending grace to all. Always gentle and easy to talk to, exhibiting self-control in every situation. Sounds like God's perfect man, doesn't it? The question for you. Those who are born again, professing Christ as their Savior, will they always exhibit these qualities? The answer, of course, is no. Because we are dealing with the flesh. You see, grace, without grace, we would find ourselves at enmity with God. That word enmity 
means a state or feeling of hatred or hostility toward God. And that's the way the world is without him. Grace and truth came by way of Jesus Christ, says John 1.17. Therefore, refusing to accept the sacrifice Jesus made for us on Calvary automatically puts us at enmity with him, with God the Father. Another question comes out. Well, let's answer that first one. Does everyone who is saved, will they exhibit all those qualities? The answer we answered before, no. However, we strive daily to exhibit those things. And because our intention is to be joyful, to be peaceful, to be uh, loving and kind and faithful in all of our dealings, because of that, God's Holy Spirit continues to move us into that perfected work of Christ in our life. So though there are times in our flesh we slip and fall and we fall back to some old habits, the Holy Spirit is there to check us, to encourage us, to bring us to the place where we change Little by little, we will not reach perfection until that day when we are called home. But God knows our heart, and he reads our hearts. And he takes out the intention of our hearts and accepts it as what he wants in our lives to do. I thank God that he does read our hearts and our desires because it does matter. It does matter. Grace gives us a way to please God. You see, the world who refuses Jesus Christ is already at enmity with God the Father. Was grace then available in the Old Testament? If we know that grace comes by way of Jesus Christ, was it available in the Old Testament? If Jesus Christ brought grace to this earth. Let's see what it says in the book of Genesis. Chapter 6, verses 1 through, through 8. Genesis 6, reading from the New King James Version. It says, Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful. And they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive or shall not abide with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. 
There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old men of renown, or men that were highly honored and widely known. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of his thoughts of the heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on earth, and he saw, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. Read this last verse. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So the question was, is it possible that the Old Testament people could find grace? And he said, Noah did. What made Noah different was that Noah believed God. Noah strived to keep his commandments. Noah worshipped him. Even in the Old Testament, if you would fight against your fleshly desires and worship God, you would find grace. But at that particular time, only Noah and his family were saved. Noah, his three sons, his three daughters-in-laws, and his wife. Out of all the people on earth, Noah was the only one that found grace. All other creations in Noah's day succumbed to the pull of the world. And the fleshly lust and desires, instead of following the commandments of God. And the same is true today. You see it all around you. You see it more and more around you now. Where people have actually turned their back on God. Thinking he is of no account. Why? Because they prize what they see and have in this world. More so what may be in eternity. And I thank God that he has touched the lives of those who are here in my life some years ago. And got me to know that it's all about him and not about me. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works. Lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Jesus did many miracles while he was here on this earth. You read about him throughout the Gospels. Many, many miracles. He gave sight to the blind. He made the lame to walk. He even raised people from the dead. Many, many miracles. The question comes out, what was the greatest miracle Jesus ever did? 
Now, I never read this in Scripture, but for Brother Sam, the greatest miracle Jesus ever did was that he took pity on someone like me and he changed my heart. He did the same for most of you. That was a miracle. And to me, that was the greatest miracle because I began to see who God really was and how much he loved me. Undeserving. I could never earn it. But he loved me. To me, that was a miracle. Because if you were, if my parents were alive and you spoke with them after about 15, 20 minutes, you say, boy, you know that was a miracle. You know, I have much to be grateful for. Well, you don't even have to go that far back. You can spend five minutes with my wife and you'll... Well, no, you can't because by the time she came along, I had a walk with the Lord. And, but there are other things in my past that uh, she only knows by me telling her. The miracle of salvation, how he changed our soul, cleansed and made us whole, Titus 2, 11 to 14 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. You hear the argument all the time. Well, what about those in deepest Africa or way out in, 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 in the high remote places of the Himalayas or in wherever you name the remote places? They've never heard of... Well, maybe they never heard the word Jesus. But scripture says that salvation has appeared to all mankind. In Romans we read in the first chapter, we, we read that even God's creation speaks of him. There is no excuse. No man or woman or child can stand before God and say, I didn't. No, you were there. God is a just God. Psalm 84, 11 reads, For the Lord is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. In other words, everything you strive to do in this world it should always be with the thought of pleasing him. And no good thing will he withhold from you. I know by experience that without yielding to the pull of the Holy Spirit in your life, man would definitely succumb, succumb to fleshly nature. By our nature, we are sinful beings. And we need the washing away of, by the Holy Spirit to change our want-tos. Do you love the world or the things in the world? 
John 2, 1 John 2, 15 through 17 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passed away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. That's eternal life. So the point God wants to drive home today, I really believe, is that his grace is sufficient to us. It's sufficient for whatever need you have today. It's sufficient to answer all your situations in life. No matter what your circumstances are, he knows your situation and is ready and willing to supply you every need. Trust in him. Lean on him. Cast all your cares upon him, for he does care for you. Is your need financial? His grace is sufficient. Is your need relationships? Spouse, child, parent. What is your need? His grace is sufficient to see you see you through every need. Whatever your need is, His grace is sufficient. How much does your Heavenly Father love you? So much that before He knew you, or before, excuse me, before you knew Him, even before you were born on this earth, He knew you. And He sent grace, mercy, and truth into this world to be made available for you and all that you had to do was to ask for it. Grace is all abundant. Romans 5, 15 to 20. Grace is all sufficient. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Grace is all glorious in making us accept, accepted in the beloved. Ephesians 1 and 6. Grace gives us boldness in Christ, Acts 4.33. Grace has many different parts, applications, and forms. It's rich in mercy, Ephesians 2 and 7, and sovereign in authority, Romans 5.21. To the believer, we are all under grace, Romans 6.14. To the believer, we are all receive grace, John 1.16. We all stand in grace, Romans 5.2. We all abound in grace, 2 Corinthians 9.8 and 14. And we are called to be strong in grace, 2 Timothy 2.1. We are encouraged to grow in grace, 2 Peter 3.18. And we are told to speak with grace in Ephesians 4.21. And by virtue of, and as followers of, and as new creations in Christ Jesus, we have inherited grace from God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You see, grace does speak to our every need. 
Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 16, verse 33, These things I have spoken to you, that ye might have peace. And the world shall have tribulation. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You know, we as Christians are not immune to anything that happens in this world. There's a scripture in Matthew says that it rains on the just as well as the unjust. Things will happen to us in this world that will happen to anyone, whether they believers in Christ or not. The difference in us and them is that Jesus has promised us never to leave us nor forsake us. He will see us and be with us through our all of our troubles. And he has an answer. What's he saying? Trials and troubles and tribulations or whatever you wish to call them, you still have to deal with them. No one is immune to them. But he'll never leave nor forsake you. One of the verses that I used to, the first one actually that I took as my, my personal verse was 1 Corinthians 10.13. There hath no temptation taken to man, but such that is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above, above that which you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye shall be able to bear it. That verse has come true in my life time and time again. You see, grace is the vehicle which fulfills Christ's ministry of redemption to the world. Grace is the vehicle reconciling, reconciling mankind back to his creator, God. God's grace manifested in Jesus Christ makes it possible for God to forgive sinners, to forgive us, and gather them unto himself. You know, God cannot and will not stand in the presence of sin. But through grace, he has, caught, he has given us the way that we can approach his throne. Saved, sanctified, and full of his mercy. Grace, grace. God's grace, as the song says, his grace is sufficient for us. Let's pray. You've been listening to to every generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. 
You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.